Welcome back to another episode of the My Technicians Podcast. Today is another Patch Tuesday episode where we walk IT admins through the more notable patches released by Microsoft and other tech vendors this month. Our guest today is Chris Gettle, the Vice President of Security Products for Avanti. Chris and I go over several vulnerabilities that should be prioritized, including a zero-day in Windows Common Log file system being used to deploy ransomware, and a 2013 bug in WinVerify Trust that is being reissued this month, as well as two zero-days in Apple products. Before we get to Chris, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google, or Spotify to hear interviews with IT experts who can help you make the right decisions for your organization. And now, here's Chris Kevin. Right, yeah, Chris, so let's uh, dive into Patch Tuesday, and let's start with the uh, CLFS uh, bug, which is, you know, being exploited in the wild. Um, can you tell us, you know, a little bit about maybe how it's being exploited and uh, why this one should be prioritized? Yeah, so the the vulnerability that is popping up here is CVE 2023-28252. Uh, this is a vulnerability in uh, the CLFS secure uh, system, which is allowing ransomware threat actors to basically gain full system, system privileges on the target machine. Mm -hmm. um, it's an elevation of privilege vulnerability. Uh, if the attacker uh, exploits this, they're going to gain... Uh, full system access. The attack is low complexity. That means that it's a very low bar uh, of entry here. It does not require user interaction. So it, it's really as simple as it comes for exploiting this vulnerability. Um, the vulnerability is already being used in uh, a ransomware family called Nokoyoba is already taking advantage of this. And there are attacks uh, happening in the wild today. It has already jumped on to CISA's KEV list. Uh, and I believe May 2nd is the date that um, all of the federal civilian executive branch agencies have been given to plug this vulnerability. So they're mm -hmm. definitely pushing agencies to plug this one quickly. Um, you know, in our guidance, we would typically say, you know, 14 days or less is kind of the risk window for that. Right. Uh, so OS update this month, is kind of your top priority. Uh, this is affecting all of the supported Windows OS versions today. Nokoyawa is fairly well known for their use of CLFS uh, vulnerabilities. Um, they've been targeting those for some time. So mm -hmm. what we tend to see with threat actors like this is they will start to specialize in specific areas of code. Uh, there, you know, you can start to see certain uh, threat actors who focus on things like Hafnium focuses heavily on exchange vulnerabilities. These guys tend to like their CLF or CF or LFS vulnerabilities. Um, Microsoft in general has had to focus in attention around this. There's actually been 32 privilege escalation vulnerabilities that have been resolved in Windows CLFS since mm -hmm. 2018. Um, so the tactic is very well established, very commonly used with them. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. definitely a, a high risk this month. And there have been a handful of CLFS, CLFS zero days in like the last like year or so, I, th I want to say. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't know what the exact count is up to, but it's been more than two or three. So yeah. So is this is this related to this a CL, CLFS bug that was patched? um two months ago 
Is there is there any you know thinking that you know that first patch uh, was maybe incomplete or failed? Uh, no evidence right now that I've seen that uh, connects the two of them to each other. Uh, a lot of times when the engineers go in to resolve one vulnerability, they they try to take a look and and like clean things up a little bit more. So if you look at if you look at some of the previous patterns, uh, print nightmare is a good one. When print nightmare first hit, there was you know a couple of vulnerabilities, and then for the next several months, more and more uh, print spooler vulnerabilities were being resolved. Um, I think many people, if you experienced some printer issues in the first round of uh, the print nightmare vulnerability being plugged, you probably ran into issues again in February and May and a few other months where, you know, there were five more, 10 more. I think one month there was over 20 print spooler vulnerabilities that were resolved. Yeah. There's uh, in a lot of cases, they're not the same vulnerability, but as they go in and do that investigation, they uncover more and more and clean things up. So it, it's a good sign when we see multiple vulnerabilities being cleaned up in a specific code area, because that means that they're not just going in and fixing one issue. They are doing their due diligence and trying to look for more. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, then another one that that I think caught a lot of people's attention because it's from 2013 is a win verified trust signature uh, validation bug. Um, yeah, why is this one being issued, you know, a decade later? What's coming up with it? Yeah, so this one, I think the, the biggest thing here is uh, the win verified trust signature validation. Microsoft uncovered some weaknesses with that a long time ago. Um, if you go to and read through kind of the, the long, you know, pages worth of guidance that Microsoft provides around this, it's, there's, They've established a more secure way to verify this that, you know, ignores all of the kind of dirty additional metadata that could be in there and tries to look for very clean, um, verifiable um, signatures. Most organizations had a lot of trouble turning that on. Um, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of vendors don't do consistent or clean um, uh, signature, uh, you know, est or establishing of signatures on, on different, uh, binaries. So Microsoft has all of the validation in there. If you want to turn it on, you can, it is an opt-in. The only thing that changed this month is Microsoft has acknowledged and basically added all of the server core additions to this CVE now as well. So it's not that the CVE has changed. They've brought in all of the server core additions into the affected products list. So if you recall dealing with this previously, your decision that was made before, whether to opt in and start doing the deeper kind of validation or to not do so would probably still stand. The only change this month that you need to consider is if you, if you were enforcing this, now you need to go back and set those registry settings on all of your server core additions. I did see some research also, researchers also saying that this was being exploited in the three CX attacks. Yes. Uh, so this is absolutely a way to abuse kind of a supply chain attacks. It's if you, if an attacker is able to get in and abuse um, the signing of binaries and find a way to um, basically get past the validation here to introduce a malicious binary in that way, the stronger verification is supposed to catch more of those types of things. Um, again, most organizations may end up blocking things that they they do want, just because you know the 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 bar was set pretty low for um, 
how things were being signed previously. But yes, absolutely, there's been uh, you know recent uh, examples and past examples of this being abused. It's definitely kind of that supply chain angle. Right. That's the risk here. Then the other one that that I think uh, got my attention was um, Microsoft's messaging key remote code. Um, I mean, it has a CVSS score of nine point eight. So I mean, right away, it's you know a very high. Um, you know, vulnerability rating. Um, can you talk a little bit about this and why it should be prioritized? Yeah, so this vulnerability is in Microsoft's message queuing rem- uh, system. It's a remote code execution vulnerability. Um, no disclosures or uh, public exploits of this one right now, but the, uh, I guess the threat of this one is it is uh, exploitable over the network and requires no authentication. There's no privilege mm-hmm. level required to be able to exploit this. Um, so the attacker basically could exploit this vulnerability remotely if it's exposed on systems. The way to look at if you're vulnerable to this is you need to look at, uh, to see if the message queuing service is, uh, turned on. If it's not turned on, then basically this is not something they could target. Uh, you can also check to see if the service is running. Uh, it's called message queuing and uh, listens on TCP port 1801. Um, so that's the ways to see if this is something that is exposed within your environment. If the attacker finds a listening server, all they need to do is craft a malicious MSMQ packet and send that to the MSMQ service on that server. And they get the ability to execute remote code. Right. So it is, if if somebody does figure out how to exploit this, it becomes very dangerous very quick. Um, you know, in this day and age, you need to assume attackers are on your network. Uh, if you don't, you're already, you know, behind on, on that. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um, mm-hmm. If they're in your environment and they have a vulnerability like this that they can exploit, they can get into any of the servers that are listening on that port then, basically. And we have a couple uh, Azure vulnerabilities this month as well. Yeah, so there were a pair of Azure vulnerabilities that uh, released. Uh, the biggest thing with these is both of them are most likely going to require some manual steps on your part to, uh, to resolve them. The first one is a security feature bypass in Azure Service Connector. This is CVE 2023-28300. The, uh, the vulnerability is in the Azure command line interface. And if the attacker exploits this, they're going to be able to get unauthorized access to the target environment. So that's kind of the danger here is um, this could be that gateway into your Azure environment for a threat actor. Mm-hmm. Now to exploit this, you know, there, there are, there's a pretty high bar here. The attacker can't use this vulnerability alone they're going to have to chain this with other vulnerabilities to be able to exploit this. But again, if that's not an uncommon tactic for threat actors nowadays, multiple vulnerabilities working together is commonplace for them. If they get the right combination though, again, access to your Azure environment through this. Um, The attacker must have RBAC reader role or above to the target Azure subscription to exploit the vulnerability. So again, makes the bar a little bit higher to exploit. Um, now, the the part that you may need to take some action on is if you are running in an Azure environment and you've turned on the automatic updates, 
the CLI interface will automatically update. Most environments, well, Microsoft doesn't turn that on by default. You have to opt into that automatic update service. Right. So in most environments, you're going to have to go and run this update yourself. So be aware that it's out there. Um, you know, find a window where you can you can go and update that. Microsoft does have a how to update Azure CLI link from that CVE right up. So go in there, follow the instructions, and it will show you how to do that that update to that that interface. The second vulnerability is in Azure Machine Learning. This one gets a little bit more complicated. So Azure Machine Learning, you know, basically think about your you know machine learning type environment. If you are running some type of model, uh, basically what uh, if you're running a compute at the time is what they refer to it as. That means that that service is currently in use, and you know there is a manual way to update the Azure Machine Learning compute instance, but doing that wipes out any current instance that's running. Mm -hmm. So you have to wait until there's a window where you can run this that's not going to disrupt some current compute process that's happening. Um, this is definitely a developer level update. If you go into the Microsoft uh, article on how to update this, you're going to get very deep into the inner workings of that Azure Machine Learning service and need to know exactly what you're, you're running for commands, how to see if there's a, um, an instance currently running and make sure that you don't nuke whatever might be processing at the time. Right. Um, so that's the, this one is definitely gonna require uh, manual effort. Uh, the vulnerability could allow an attacker to disclose system logs, but does not give them any ability to modify uh, data or make the service unavailable. Um, so all they're able to do is information disclosure on this one. A little bit lower risk, but depending on what you're doing in that machine learning environment, uh, they could be able to glean uh, some proprietary information or or something along those lines. Um, before we move on to Apple, are there any other uh, Microsoft bugs that, that you know admins should know about? There was another one here that released this month that may require some manual intervention in your environment. And that was around the, um, the raw image extension code. So this is a Microsoft App Store app. Uh, the CVE is 2023-28291. Most of you probably not going to have this vulnerability in your, in your environment unless you're using this, this raw image uh, extension code app within your environment. If you are allowing Microsoft Store apps, the store should automatically update this so you wouldn't have to worry about it. If you are running store apps, but you're not having the store automatically update, then there would be steps that you're gonna need to take to manually update this. Um, there's no other way to kind of do this other than to run the app with the right update switch to force the, the update or uh, force the store to do updates for any of the apps that it's currently tracking on that local system. Um, but that's the only other one that uh, we were seeing that looked like it required some manual steps. SQL did have kind of three things that were relating to it this month. Mm. The first one is a OLEDB um, vulnerability at the OS level. So your OS update is going to handle that one this month. Then there's a separate OLEDB uh, driver update. This is installed separate from the OS update, separate from the SQL update. Um, and then the third one was actually a, a hang on from February. 
Microsoft did release a SQL update in February, but they didn't announce the CVE along with everything else on Patch Tuesday. So mm. this one just got introduced and, and fully documented now. So that that was the the other things that you might see there. The SQL Server CVE was CVE 2023-23384. Again, that one, if you've already done the most recent SQL Server update, you've actually taken care of this one. They just formally posted it um, finally. Awesome. Yeah, no, Apple had a couple uh, zero days uh, this month um, in... Uh, WebKit, I believe. Yeah, there were two Apple zero days that were announced. Um, so this goes back to um, Friday the 7th. Um, their CISA released an advisory. Uh, in there, there's three Veritas backup exec vulnerabilities that are actively being exploited as part of a ransomware attack. And then there's the two Apple vulnerabilities as well. The first one is... Yeah, 28205 and 28206 are the two. Uh, So 28205, this one is the WebKit vulnerability. Uh, So on the Mac OS, it's uh, basically um, processing maliciously crafted web content may lead to arbitrary code execution. Um, So the issue was a use-after-free memory Uh, usage that was cleaned up to resolve this. Um, The vulnerability is in the Mac OS for this one. They're not all of the vulnerability. Both of these are applying to Mac OS, iOS, and iPad OS the same way. So uh, this 205 did apply to all three. So uh, if you're running any Mac OS or iOS devices, um, all three need to be updated uh, to resolve these. The second one is an IO surface accelerator vulnerability. And in this case, an app may be able to execute arbitrary code with kernel level privileges. So this one is definitely pretty nasty as well. Um, It's an out of bounds right issue that was addressed to basically handle an improper input from an application. So if if an attacker knows how to take advantage of this. They'll create an application. That application will be designed to pass that input in a way where the kernel basically opens up and allows them to do things they shouldn't be allowed to do. Both of these were put on the uh, CISA KEV list and uh, are being used in ransomware attacks uh, currently. So definitely um, pretty much all of your Apple and Windows OSs this month, highest priority on, on getting these updated. Yeah, absolutely. Great. All right. Uh, well, Chris, uh, thanks very much. I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, talking about patch two.